Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Before we get started today, I just want to, uh, if I could get uh, Daniel and Ashley, why don't you just come on up, it's just a few steps. Y'all give it up for... Daniel and Ashley, and so uh, who is not pictured in this scene is Nora and Hudson, and uh, there's a baby on the way. And uh, so you guys, these, these are some of our dear friends and just been in the church family here for years and now are serving as missionaries in us. And so there is a great door of opportunity open before them. They've been back a couple months just for a little bit of... of uh, what do you call it? Refuel. Refuel. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And uh, names change from time to time. And uh, that's not important. <laughs> but uh, man, you guys, we love these guys and they're headed back. And there's just, there's opportunity, but there's also different kinds of danger and things. We want to pray protection over them as they go back. And we want to pray for great fruitfulness in the kingdom of God and that God would do a great uh, move among this, uh, especially the people that they're trying to reach. So let's pray a blessing over them. Father, I thank you for my brother and sister, this mighty man and woman of God. And we ask for the blessing of heaven over them as they go. May they be sent ones from Antioch, Fort Worth, Lord, to uh, cross boundaries, to uh, reach across the, the, the wall that uh, separates so often, Lord, and with the good news of Jesus Christ, bring your uh, life and peace and love through them, Lord. I pray for strategy, for just the right uh, uh, leadership of your spirit at every single step along the way, when to go, when to not go, when to pull back, when to uh, just um, when to reach out, all the different things that are happening right now. Bless them, bless this baby, Lord, uh, and, and the uh, just health along the way. I thank you for... Nora and Hudson as well, and we just bless the Ng family as, as a part of this family that's extended in Southeast Asia as they go. In Jesus' mighty name, and together the church says, Amen. Y'all give it up for the Ings. We love you guys. Love y'all. <clears throat> Amen. Okay, so if you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We are finishing up this series, we've been kind of looking at the coming of Jesus through the lens of a few women that are included in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. We talked about uh, Tamar and Rahab and Ruth a couple weeks ago with Yancey, brought a great word on Ruth. And last week we talked about Uriah's wife, who is otherwise known as Bathsheba and David. And there was a lot of stuff going on there, obviously, between the two of them. And this week we're talking about Mary, looking at the coming of Jesus through her story. Verse 16, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. So, one of the things we've seen just week after week, first week, it's messy. It's just, it's messy. God stepping into humanity is messy because, well, we're messy. 
We do stuff we shouldn't do. We don't do things we should do. And life is messy. There's sin and all that stuff. And now we saw that the first week. Yancey talked about Ruth and really brought some uh, fresh perspective. I don't know about to you, to you guys, but it was fresh to me to hear to, and to think about Ruth being an immigrant and a poor outsider. And really the promise there, he didn't say it in so many words, but the promise is that the outsider gets included in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So really good news. The outsiders get included and the, the poor get included. The immigrants get included in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amens are flying. And uh, week three, last week we talked about God's faithful even when we blow it. David and Bathsheba, whether you're the victim or whether you're the victimizer, there's good news and hope for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, like, it's just incredible. He calls us to turn to Him, and that's what David did, and it's really uh, a powerful part of that story is that David repents and turns. And then this week, as we're looking at Matthew, one of the things that just hit me in talking about the, the gospel of Matthew is that Matthew was an outsider. Matthew was a tax collector. So he was kind of looked down on and considered to be on the margin as far as the main bulk of the people goes. And so Jesus has a party, or Matthew calls you know his friends together, and it's a party that people can't believe Jesus is going to because it's tax collectors and it's sinners and people that would be considered on the outside and on the margins. And today we're looking at, again, Mary who, you know, potentially could be considered an outsider on the margins, somebody who was not really in the inner circle of what was going on in Israel. And yet she's holding those same promises in her heart so that when God comes to her, she's ready to believe. She says, I know this story. I know that the Messiah is coming. I'm ready to believe all of this. And so, powerful story. But before we get to Mary, one of the, thing I wanna, the things I want to emphasize is that Mary is... Uh, I was going to say Mary's a woman, like newsflash. But I mean, she's a woman in the sense of like she, like all the things that were promised to Eve before the fall, she's getting to live into as well. Just like all the things that are promised to Eve before the fall, all the women here are encouraged to live into as well. So she, Genesis 1, 27, 28 says, let us make man in our image, male and female. And what that means is males by themselves are not the full image of God. Newsflash. And females by themselves are not the full image of God. It's only together, male and female, that we represent the image of God. And it's really important that we own that so that we don't think that, you know, guys, you know, have it all and girls don't. We need each other. Going through puberty. Um, (laughs) We need each other. Anybody remember Peter Brady? Okay. It's an old show. It's funny. Um, where was I? <laughs> Something good. <laughs> image bearers. Yes. And so, 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 so together we're image bearers. We are co-image bearers together. We just say that together just out loud. Co-image bearers together. 
So look around just real quick. Identify somebody of the opposite gender. Yep, that's an image bearer. Guys, girls, image bearers. Together. Second piece. The women, Eve is called an easer, which means helper. So a couple weeks ago, Yancey pointed out that that was a strong helper or a warrior helper. And one of the reasons, one of the ways he got there is because Ezer, when it's used of Eve in Genesis chapter 2, that she's a helper. But most of the time when that word is used, it's actually used of God. Isn't that crazy? Women like sitting a little higher in their seat. It's mainly used of God. And God is a helper of Israel. That's how that word is used. God is Israel's Ezer. His, the strong helper, the warrior helper of Israel. And so there you get that idea. So, so rather than being a under the thumb, subordinated, you know, don't really have a place at the table kind of a gender, women are actually warrior helpers. And to really get a feel for this, you got to say, this has to be broader than just a wife and a mom. Think how many non-wives and non-wives and non-moms are in the world. That's a bunch of that's a bunch of women, right? They're daughters, they're single women, they're uh, been divorced, been widowed, all is different, and, and they all are still co-image bearers. You're not only a co-image bearer if you're a wife and a mom. So it's like, wow. Okay, so that means that everybody's got a place at the table. That means that women lock arms, females lock arms with males. One of the things that they were to do was God looked at Adam in the garden and said, it's not good for him to be alone. And part of the reason it's not good for him to be alone, yes, I mean, there's all these wonderful things that that men and women do and enjoy life together in marriage, but even just as as co-image bearers, there's all of these wonderful things that we do in standing against the enemy, in being light in the midst of darkness, of locking arms and not rolling over to the enemy, you know, his work in our midst. I said this in first service, I want to say it again. The Garden of Eden, we think of it as like, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder running down through the start of the show, you know, and it's just, everything's great. But I mean, the garden is kind of a dangerous place. There was a tree that if you eat it, it will kill you. And there's a serpent running around who is the enemy of our souls. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So that's what's going on in the garden. Okay? So it's, it's good, but it's also dangerous. And so God knew that Adam needed Eve to lock arms with to stand against darkness. And it's always been that way. That's God's plan. It's ongoing before the fall plan for men and women, male and female, co-image bearers. And as Carolyn just, uh, Custis James, this author that Yancey referred to a couple weeks ago, she, she says there's a blessed alliance between men and women in order to stand against darkness. I like that. A blessed alliance between men and women because of those dangers. And so the fall actually happens in the garden. And the first thing that God does in pronouncing a curse against the serpent is he said, and, and her seed, she's going to have a son down the, you run the, the generations down. She's going to have a, 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 
a, a, a descendant who is, you're going to bite his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And that is this first prophetic announcement of the gospel that is to come in Genesis 3.15. It's called the Proto-Euangelion, is how, what historians and theologians have called that you know, down through the years. And so, here we go. In this story of Mary, I think that there's a, there's a place for all of us. It's definitely a place for women to see more of who we are, but, but it's also a place for all of us. Because what Mary does is respond to the Word of God. God comes to her, and He speaks this Word, and she believes. And that's the thing that she keeps doing throughout her life. And so I want to say right here at the start of this message, there is a place for all of us to again review how do we hear the Word of the Lord, and how do we respond to that. Because it's right in the middle of doing that. If we'll keep doing the next thing that God says to do, and walking in that, And taking that next step will be in the middle of the greatest revival the world's ever seen. That's that's how it happens. It's not rocket science. Doing what God... And that's what Jesus modeled for us. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. So here's the main thing. One soundbite. In the story of Mary, we learn that the promise of significance is realized as we hear God's Word and obey it. So let's look at these three things. I gave you two in your outlines, and I came up with one more after that got printed. And it's a kind of a pre-point to number one. Mary trusted and obeyed God before she was the mother of Jesus. I originally had the first point as the mother of Jesus, but I needed to make, I feel like I wanted to hit this thing that it's not just moms and wives, but before she was ever the mother of Jesus, she was walking in this blessing of trusting and obeying. So Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel, which is <clears throat> it's just amazing, you know, that Gabriel comes and appears to Mary. He's already come and appeared to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Zechariah kind of, you know, kind of fumbles the ball a little bit. You know, they pitch him the rock and he's, you know, just, he's like, I don't know. I don't know, you know, and can you imagine Gabriel's like, I stand in the presence of God. Now, you didn't believe what I told you, so you're going to be silent now until this baby's born. He may have said Jack at the end of that. I don't know. (laughs) But so angel comes to Mary, but Mary is believing him, right? She's believing you greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So over to, uh, to Luke, trying to find my spot here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, you are highly favored. And uh, you're going to have this uh, a son named Jesus. And he will be great and be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So absolutely incredible promise. Mary believes, and ultimately she says, may it be to me as you've said. May the word that you've spoken to me be fulfilled. And it's in the saying of that that everything changes for her. You know, we're, and, and that's what happens with us. A lot of times we don't see all of our little yeses as being things that move us in a trajectory of a different kind of life. 
And yet, that's what happens. All of those yeses. Now, this is a big one. And occasionally, we have some big ones, some dramatic ones. And I can, you know, we've got some greatest hits stories, you know, and there was that time that, you know, and knocked the lights out, you know, on that homer and flicked the bat over. And it was, ah, oh, it was incredible. But then there's a lot of just little, you know, they're just, just kind of average at bats, you know, and you go full count and you maybe walk or something or you strike out and I'm going to stop the baseball thing. I went as far as that as I can go. But, but you know, life is like that. And so, so she makes this choice. <clears throat> she makes this choice, and then everything kind of changes. She's misunderstood. You know what her, I mean, her, the people in her little town are thinking? You know, because Joseph was going to put her away, but he ends up not doing it. He got some help, right? We, we know he got some help. Joseph's really pretty awesome in this story too, by the way. But he has four angelic visitations that help him make the, the right choice. I, I really, I've been asking myself, how many would it take me? <laughs> you know, how many, just how many angelic visitations would it take for us to get it right? Praise God, you know, that, that Joseph said yes. You know, so before, so she's, She's got to face different kinds of misunderstandings, perhaps some rejection, certainly some persecution. She had to flee for her life with Joseph at one point because of persecution that was coming against the babies, and they knew to to get out of town and go to Egypt. So all of that, her life absolutely changed. And I found myself saying, I wonder if she really understood. I mean, this is a big deal. Does she really understand how big a deal it is? And I just keep kind of reading down the page, and I, she actually did understand. This song is called uh, The Magnificat. And, you know, this is, uh, uh, for some, I was talking to somebody that knew Garth Brooks in the first, before the first service, and <clears throat> Garth had some hits, right? A bunch of hits. I mean, Mary got a, Mary got a pretty big one. This, everybody's been singing this one. It's like going on 2,000 years pretty big hit. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He's been mindful of the humble state of His servant. So here's the promise of significance. You know, that no matter who we are, no matter where we're at, if we'll respond to what God's calling us to do in our lives, He's going to bring us into what His plan is for our lives. And He's going to bless lots of other people in the process. In this case, Humankind, all of man, male, female, everybody gets blessed because of what, what Mary does and how she responds. Does she know how big it is? Check it out, the next part of the verse. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Okay, she, she got it. For the Mighty One has done great things for me and holy is His name. You know, it's a powerful, powerful revelation that follows on the back end of, of her responding to the Lord. And it's an invitation, I think, for all of us that no matter who we are, married, unmarried, parents, not parents, that when God comes to us and He brings a word to us, it could be something we read in Scripture, be some kind of encouragement, it could be a, a message that we hear that we really understand like God by His Spirit is speaking something to me right now and He's calling me, just little old me, to respond to Him, to take that next step of obedience. 
And that's where the living is at. That's where the life is at. Don't call this life boring if you haven't tried living this way. Yeah, a lot of times people go, I I don't know, You, you hadn't tried it. It's not that it's tried and found wanting, it's just that it hadn't been tried. To quote somebody famous named Chesterton from the past. So that's the first piece here, is that before she was a mother, Mary trusted and obeyed God. Second piece, as a mother, she also trusted. Mary trusted and obeyed as a mother in that role. So it's the night of Jesus' birth. The angels are singing. We just had wonderful rendition of it. Just turn it up louder, more glorious. Hosts of heaven singing glory to God in the highest. The shepherds are like, you know, awestruck. And it's incredible. And peace on earth. Peace on earth. Joy. This is joy. Good news of glad glad tidings. And so the shepherds, they go in to the, to, to the uh, what do you call it, where she was born? Um, the stable. Stay, I was going to say manger, and they, they didn't go into the manger. <laughs> Got awkward. <laughs> they went into the stable. Gosh. And uh, y'all ever get a block on words and you, gosh, I do that. It bugs Kim sometimes. That was, and it doesn't bug her bad. It's, it's a good kind of, <laughs> what am I doing? So, <clears throat> so, shepherds are there. And I've been, I don't know about you guys, I've been thinking about this whole nativity scene, birth stuff, you know, because like, it was a barn, right? It, it was a barn. And barns are dirty. You got the ground. And, and I know as a guy in the, 80s, 90s, when our kids were being born, early 2000s, I don't think a lot of us guys are taught in the basic stuff of midwifery. I, I think a lot of us could pull it off if we had to, <laughs> Just, but I've had this thought going through my head all week. I was like, was Joseph a better midwife than I would have been? It's just a weird kind of question. I've been, th- I've been thinking... When you're working on, she, sometimes she'll go, Jamie, that, that, that's a question, that's you and your study, you shouldn't, but I think this one's going to work, we'll see. And so I've, been, I've been processing this, and I was like, man, I didn't know what to do at all. Like, when I was there, in the moment, I didn't know, and I did the training, and the, just breathe, and I, and I still didn't know what to do, and so uh, Emily's being born, this is 1990. And uh, there's a monitor there, and I'm just kind of trying to do moral... Sp- I, I'm not good in a ho- hospital room. Pe- pe- people know that. And, uh, but I'm there. I'm trying to encourage her. It's going to be okay. You're doing great. You know, and, but she could see on the monitor when the contractions were coming. Like, you can see it before it comes. And she's looking over at it, and she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, it's okay. But, and I just remember my hands doing this a lot. That was one of those thoughts where I said, I hope Joseph had more, like, you know, was helping her more than that. He's probably like blankets on the ground, doing stuff, you know. And so then when uh, Matthew, this, this has a point, uh, Matthew, was, Matthew was born, and I, I felt better 
then, and I was encouraging her, hey, this is going to be great. I'm down there leaning close, and she's going into labor and all that stuff. And, uh, but we had this, my encouragement was like this compared to this little fiery nurse, about five foot two, standing at the end of the bed, looking at her going, you can do it. You can, I mean, it's like the most incredible personal coach you can, I mean, 24 years later to this day, whenever we're going through a hard time, we don't know if we can make it or whatever. We look at each other. You can do it. We know, we know exactly what we're talking about. And she gave birth to Matthew in three hours. None of that C-section emergency stuff running down the hall that we did with, with Emily. Like macho woman. Incredible. I had a point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, um, just like Joseph, you know, like he, he's part of this, he's a part of this story and they are locked arms and they're doing this together. She's doing it with him and he's, he's, he's living this thing out with her as well. The wise men, they come, Mary's treasuring, you read that phrase over and over again, that she's treasuring and she's pondering these things in her heart. All the, all the incredible things that happen that Mary treasures and ponders. And she's going to need those things as she actually gets older and he gets older. So eventually, she's been probably teaching him the Psalms, probably teaching him how to pray just when he's a little bitty kid. Imagine that. He doesn't come out just already doing all of that, already reading. You know, he has to be taught those things. And Mary's teaching him. But there comes a time when there starts being separation because of his identity of who he actually is. He's the Son of God. And so when he's 12 years old and his parents leave uh, at the Passover time and he's back in the temple, they get a day away and they finally find out, hey, I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. They start making their way back. They get back to the temple and they find Jesus and he's kind of incredulous. Even though she's nervous out of her mind, you, didn't you know what you did to us? This was so hard on us. And Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? in my father's house. And he's not talking about Joseph now. He's understanding who he is. His identity as the son of the father in heaven. Which is powerful. And that leads into this third piece here. So she's trusting and obeying as a mom, but she also has to learn to trust and obey as a disciple of Jesus. Which is, which is, which is a big deal. Because in her mom relationship, she can just go, hey, son, do this. And even though he says it's not my time about the wine in Cana of Galilee, he, he says, okay, bring the jars, fill them up with water, and a miracle happens. But as time goes on, he gets clearer and clearer about who he is. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, if you want to turn there or read along with me, he's just been accused of being of partnering with the devil. And so it's getting really intense in his ministry. And his mother and brothers come to him to try to talk some, maybe, hey, do you understand what's going on? And while Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven 
is my, is my brother and sister and mother. And so now he's, he's even highlighting, she's still his mom, he's honoring her, but he's, he's highlighting that even she has to do the will of God, which is something she's always been doing, but he's saying, this is who my mother and brothers, this is my family, this is really my family. Not just my earthly family, but the family of the Father that's bringing all of humanity into His loving embrace through the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit. A similar kind of story is over in Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Luke 11, 27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. It seemed like a great place to say, Amen. But Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. And what He's saying there is, like, even for Mary, and that's not the only thing He's saying here, but it's even for Mary, even though she's in a blessed kind of position, by giving birth to the Son of God, she still, everybody, is blessed when we hear the Word of God and do what God's calling us to do. So it's, it's this journey that she has to go on, thinking things are one way, and then kind of being confronted with things didn't turn out the way I thought they were going to turn out. Things are a little different than I thought they were going to be. And yet we all have to, even though, even when things don't turn out the way we thought they were going to turn out, or look the way we thought they were going to look, we still are invited into this journey of finding out what God wants us to do and doing it. And it's always going to lead to a crisis of faith. It does, doesn't it? It's like, uh... And there was a crisis of faith for her here, no doubt. You know, I, like, I'm his mother. And I think every mother in the room that's older maybe, or maybe you've, you've tried to speak into your mom's life, you know how hard this is. Like, it might be pretty hard for her to hear that from Jesus. Like, you imagine your little kids growing up and now they're telling you what to do. I, I can remember being in my mid-30s, been a pastor for years, and my mom and I were talking about something and, and seeing, like I could see something that needed to happen but I'm still 17 years old, messing up, doing stupid stuff, and it's hard for her to hear. Make sense? Anybody ever been there? It just, and now, like 77, she's like, hey, tell me. Amen. It's awesome. <laughs> Took a while. Just maybe a little longer than what I, I thought. Um, the good news is that Mary makes it. Like, when the cross happens, where's she? Right at the foot of the cross. One apostle's there. John's there. John, this is your mom. Mom, this is your, this is your son now. And from then on, he takes her into his house and takes care of her as his own mom. So she's there. The church, Jesus dies. He's resurrected. And the church is meeting there, waiting on Pentecost. 120 or whatever gathered. And... And all the disciples are there. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, is right there. She's believing. She's praying. 
She is a disciple. Maybe the first disciple, but she's the disciple who's there encouraging them. And then one of the most powerful things of all of this that I haven't been reflecting on a lot, but Mary, she doesn't get her name on one of the Gospels. There's not, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mary. It's not that. But is she a primary source for these Gospel writers? I mean, think about that. Where are they getting these stories? They're talking to, you know, Luke said, I, I made a, an earnest Theophilus, I, I worked hard at this. I investigated everything. I went and talked with people. Where's, where's he getting that stuff? Mary. So even though her name's not on it, her influence is there as a disciple, as a woman of God, as a woman of faith, as a woman who's hearing God and responding to what God's calling her to do. And there's some pretty massive implications for us. And I'll just run through these quickly. Got three of them. And then just ask us a couple questions and we'll wrap this up. But the first one is in this whole promise of significance, the significance is for humanity. It's that everybody matters. No matter what your background is, your ethnicity, where you came from, what country you came from, what people group you're a part of, everybody matters. For in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek and every single not just the Jewish voice, and not just the Greek voice, and not just the African voice, or the American voice, or the European voice, or the Chinese voice, or all the different subsets of ethnicities that go under any one of those headings. Everybody understand? Everybody's voice matters. Um, it's just a, it's a big, and, and getting a revelation of that, that we'll never get to fullness and God's will in our lives if we're not looking to hear from the other. From the somebody who's not like us. You listen to them and you inevitably hear stuff that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. It's just the way it works. I, I, I remember reading Lamansana for the first time, this African theologian, and, and just hearing things as I read his words that are, I would have never thought of that. I just I wouldn't have thought about it like that. And just a perspective that's very non-Western, non-American, non-Euro-whatever. Don't quote me on that. There's, some, there's probably a more technical term. I remember reading Dr. Zecharias Tani Fomum, another African guy who wrote a book called The Ministry of Fasting. And I had never read anything like it in my life. And this book was written in the 90s, and at that point, his, for 20 years, he had been praying and fasting on water for 160 days a year, a 40-day fast every year against communism, a 221-day fast, water only. Like, if you've ever tried to do long water fasts, you know this is like, just, and if you've got any performance in you, I'm telling you this story, so you just let it go and walk in the grace of God. Because you can't, you can't beat this guy. And it blew my mind to hear about it for the first time. 40 day, 21, 21. When he's not on those three fasts, then he would fast two days of water every other week of the year. That all adds up to 160 days. And I just remember reading that going, this is, this is out of my mind. Like my mind's over here. And he's coming from another place and talking about prayer. I got this revelation of prayer. It's like this little bitty 
thing. Lord, pray for 45 minutes. I'm like a prayer warrior. And this guy over here is like, wow, this is blowing my mind. I remember reading Miroslav Volf for the first time, a, a Croatian theologian, and him talking about love and friendships and embracing the other from the perspective of a Croatian that's lived through the Balkan War and having atrocities committed by both sides and all of that kind of stuff. And that's a different kind of perspective than I would come up with about love and embracing the other if I hadn't read him. If I hadn't heard that, that voice. And so this, uh, this uh, Carolyn Custis James that we've been reading some, and, and I had not heard of her before Yancey brought her up. And I, but I've been reading her since then and reading a couple of different books uh, from her. And just like, wow, that is, there, there is a feminine voice that's, that's needed. Like, it's, it's, it's needed in marriage. It's needed in church life. It's needed in life groups. Like, can you imagine your life group without the women talking? That'd be really weird. Just super weird. But, but imagine... Uh, so just so the vo- that voice, everybody's looking at me funny. I just I'm just trying to say that voice is needed. Like we need that that voice. And so I'm reading James Car- Carolyn Custis James and just going, I I just hadn't thought about it like that. I haven't seen that. I hadn't seen that perspective. But I need it. It it helps us to be more the men and women in the image of God, standing against the darkness. And, and making a stand for God's will. So, you know, that's for all peoples. Uh, there's a promise of significance. There's a promise of significance for women, I think, as we go through this and see Mary, that, like, wow. Like, God partnered with her and not with a man. That's pretty amazing. You know, women with a woman, and, and God pulled it all off without a man. Now you got the whole genealogy and all that. I'm not, but just as far as God, Mary, Son of God. Okay, that's how that happened. Now, guys, everybody, take a big, deep breath of grace to lift up and to magnify the place of women in our midst. Is not to honor women. Is not to dishonor men. And it's really important we hear that so that just we're not doing this every week. But golly. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a limited piece of the pie and to give some honor to a, some, some women in our midst means that we're dishonoring our guys or, oh, I'll never be anything. Like, that's a lie from the devil. That, that's, not, that's not God. And it's, we do this thing together. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a promise of significance for all people, for women, but then also for each of us as individuals together. Like I, like, I need to hear this promise again that finding out what God wants me to do and doing it is the way to life. Just That's what Jesus modeled for us. Looking to Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, head of the church, speak and lead. Your servants are listening. Show us what to do. That we might be your body on the earth. That we might express the fullness of who you are on the earth. Now, what will it look like and how will we, how will you express God's will being done through your life? That's the big question. That's the big question as we 
Look back at 18, 2018, and look forward to what God has for us in 19, 2020, 2021. We would be that kind of a people. What is your word? Okay? What is your word? And what is my next step? Just everybody's got to have that question in their heart. Lord, what's your word? And when do you ask that question? For all of us. There needs to be, I would say it daily, a time when you get up and you say, Lord, what's your word? And what's my next step? And maybe even through the day. Lord, what's your word? What's my next step? So that we're, we're pausing. You know, apart from God, we will do the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's gravity for us. And it takes some discipline worked into our lives to where we're not just defaulting to what I've always done. God wants to break in. He wants to lead us in some new ways that are life-giving and that really reflect His goodness, His kingdom, and all the righteousness, peace, and joy that's marks, that marks the kingdom of God. Y'all stand up. Okay, Lord, help us. We want to respond to You. We want to, we want to see that, that kind of life and significance lived and expressed in our lives. I want it. I want it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the game, been in the game for a long time, been trying to walk this out, and yet we all need calibration times in our lives. And I hope this, is, this little series has been one for you. And maybe even this message today, it's like, what is God saying to you and what's, his, what's the next step that He's calling you into? You know, And how will you give voice to the will of God being expressed in your life? No matter what your background is, no matter what you're male or female, what's He saying and how will you give expression to that? So Father, would You meet us here today? Would You give us vision, Lord, for being people that no matter what we envision our humble state as being, Lord, that we could be people like Mary that see ourselves as responding to You. That when the Word of the Lord comes to us, we're not saying no, but we're saying, I'm Your servant. May it be fulfilled. May the Word to me that You've spoken be fulfilled. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I want to pray for all those places where we feel hindered by doing that. Whatever the, whatever the issue is, whatever the brokenness is that we feel like would hinder us, Lord, I pray for breakthrough today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we want to pray for breakthrough. And it may be that there's a wound. There may be something, some reason why you think that can't happen or why you stumble on taking that next step. But man, if this really is this kind of life that God wants us to express, why not press in for breakthrough on it? You know? And it may be, uh, yeah, Father, no matter what the need is today, I just pray if there's something that prayer would help, man, get, get some help. If the front fills up, pray with people that you came with, and let's just let's, let's pray for big-time breakthrough. Father, even just on the family stuff, as we're coming into Christmas time, Whatever the issues are, Lord, we pray for breakthrough. That the lies of the enemy would be silenced. That the wounds of the past would be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Come and meet us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Go for it, you guys.